Come on, we're concluding our devoted series today. And some of you are like, oh, thank God he's finally getting into the Word. And uh, yes, we are concluding our devoted series. Last week I heard Pastor Dan preach a great word on devoted to communion. And uh, we've been pulling out in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. And we said, of course they did. They had just had an incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. The power of God was moving and healing and signs and wonders and souls were being saved. It was revival. And what's the response to revival? It's devotion. It's commitment. When you, have a, when you truly taste and see that the Lord is good, oh, the only valid response is devotion and commitment and fellowship. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Notice the four things they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' uh, uh, teaching. That's the word. We need to be devoted to the word. They were 100% sold out to the apostles' teaching. That's the Bible. The, the apostles' teaching, you may not realize it, but this was written, the New Testament was written by the apostles. There's 27 books in the New Testament, and those books were written as letters to different churches that we have now gathered up and made the New Testament of our Bible. And so they were devoted to this being the Word of God, not just being a book of suggestions, but being God's Word that we choose to live our lives by. Can I tell you this? I, I have found God bring me to great success in my life. I look at my life. I look at the holiday we've just had. We drive a, a newish car. We've got a great home. I've got one. But every good thing in my life has come from me following Jesus. And, and, not, and not just, oh, yeah, that part is good. And that, oh, I don't know about that part. I've just decided in my life that I'm going to follow the word of the Lord, whether I feel like it or not whether it's comfortable or convenient or not, this is God's word and I will pursue that. And, and it says that they devoted themselves. Then they were devoted to the church. They were devoted to each other. The early church had a commitment to one another as strong as their commitment to God. Isn't that interesting? They weren't just devoted to God. I know a lot of people who say, oh yeah, well, you know, me and God were great, but me and people, yeah, I don't do people. And I appreciate that because you're weird. And, and when I meet you, I think to myself, all right. The reality is we're all weird. We all bring our isms. We all bring our idiosyncrasies. We all come together with our different backgrounds and walks of life. And we form a melting pot in the church. And, and, and our devotion to God, Jesus tells us, in John 13, 35, by this, all will know that you're my disciples by the offering that you bring. No, by the Bible verses you've memorized. No, 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 no. By the church's buildings you, bring, you build. No, by the love that you have for one another. It's our love for one another that testifies to the fact that I am a follower of Jesus. 
It's not my prophecies. It's not the miracles. It's my love. And that's something that I think we've got to be careful of because the Bible says in the last days, the love of brothers will, will, will grow cold. And I think we're, we're seeing that. People are growing cold towards each other, the way we talk to each other, the sense of community, the sense of togetherness, that, that's eroding. The devil is doing everything he can to fracture us and split us and keep us segregated in our own little tribes. But Jesus is the unifier and says, hey, yeah. you, you want people to know that you're mine? Love. And so you need to know here at Church Unlimited, we're not just devoted to the Bible and to services and to meetings. We're devoted to one another. And that grows over time. Sometimes, you, you know, it might take a little time to build relationships. That's not something that happens instantaneous. But over time, I, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to go find Richard and give him a hug because I was just like, that's my brother. I look at Richard. Man, that's my brother. We've been texting I see Christian. I'm like, I, I can't wait to see Christian after the service because I haven't seen him in weeks. I was waving at Mark Donovan and I was waving at Mark and, and, and Erica and Christian and Eula all waved back, but Mark didn't wave back. <laughs> you know, when you do the whole, hey, and you're like, who are you waving at? Mark, Mark didn't even look at me. <laughs> hey, Mark. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> we were created for relationship with one another. And our devotion to fellowship and to one another has got to be a hallmark of following Jesus. Then, of course, they were devoted to communion. Communion is this, centers around Jesus. Every time we take communion, I'm just reminding myself of Jesus. Who Jesus is, what Jesus did. That, that in our grow groups, we're going to be taking communion together in all of our grow groups every fortnight. Why? Because communion is not some sacred ritual that we only come to once a month or once a term. Communion helps me just focus and remember on Jesus. As I remember on Jesus, I rejoice in Jesus and I realign with Jesus. Communion is something that is a central part of my life and was a central part of the early church. Today, I want to talk about being devoted to prayer. Because prayer was one of the key aspects of devotion in Scripture. I want to read you a bunch of verses. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, These were all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Then in Acts 2, 42, he says, They were devoted to prayer. In Acts 6, verse 4, it says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In Colossians 4.2, Paul says to all of us, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. A devoted prayer life is critical if we are going to live a purposeful Christ life. It is critical the first Christ followers devoted themselves to prayer because they had to pray. Their lives were crazy. Their lives were not like our lives. We live in a land of comfort. We live, you know, the only wars that are going on right now for us are, are online. Facebook is like a war zone. It's, it's like Middle East. It's the Gaza Strip. 
But for the rest of us, we live in peace and harmony. And, but the, the early Christ followers, their lives were in turmoil. They were being persecuted and martyred for their faith. They had to have a prayer life. I don't know about you, but when tragedy happens in my life, I pray a bit more. But when I'm going good, my prayer life, it's like I, people come to me in church and like, oh, pastor, I really need to get my life right with God. I've just been through this. I've been through that. My business, my, my marriage, my children. Oh, it's all bad. It's all hard. And, and, I re- and, and it's amazing. They're regular in church, going for God, got a good prayer life, getting devotion, getting that Bible time. But then things start to go good. And as things are going good, oh, my prayer life turns into Netflix life. My church life turns into a bit of beach life. My Bible life turns into whatever. They had to pray because they couldn't afford to not pray. Hey, can I just speak to something just real quick? Um, this, I'm just going to take a time out in the sermon. Uh, we have this beautiful woman in our church named Mandy. And Mandy has a daughter who, who uh, has special needs. And Mandy bravely brings her daughter to our church most Sundays. And, and every now and again, you might hear a, a scream or a shriek or a, sh- or a shrill in the middle of the service. And, and just know that that is a byproduct of, of where her daughter is at at the moment. And I love it. I love it. And so I just saw her walk out. And, and as a mom, as a mom, I, you, you would be tempted to be embarrassed. And I've told Mandy, I said, Mandy, we love your kids. I, you are such a brave woman that you would come and you belong here and so do your kids. And so I could be in the middle of preaching and then every now and again you might hear a shriek or a shrill. Or, Don't be bothered by that. That's nothing. We, we just, we just you know, is that okay? All right, time back in. All right. Prayer is such a crucial part of our faith, and yet so many of us struggle to have consistent and hot prayer lives. We get caught up with the day-to-day. In fact, when we're sick, we often don't think to pray. We often think to take a Panadol or to go to the doctor. If we have a work drama, we think to look for another job instead of pray. It's amazing how prayer becomes a secondary response instead of our primary response. If we have a family drama or a fight, well, we'll just we'll either fight it out or we'll bury it. But to actually pray, if you have a thing going on with your kids, in my family, I'm quick to rebuke. Paul is like, come on, let's pray. If you have a money drama, you you think, I gotta get a loan, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta, you know. We need to pray. We need to be people. Prayer is often not the first thing we think to do. All of us would sit here with a bit of prayer guilt if I were to survey the audience, which we will not be doing. I reckon most of us in this room would say, I should probably be praying more. I'll never forget. I had an incredible prayer life until I had children. I would wake up every morning at 6 a.m., 6.30, and I would have 90 minutes with Jesus. It was the best until Judah came. <laughs> and then it was like every waking moment of, 
It was like, I got to get the bottle. I got to change a nappy. I got a screaming kid. Have you ever had time alone with God or a prayer moment with your kid in the room? It's like, how does this even happen? He's so distracting. I'm a bit of a journaler. So I, I wrote in my journal and, 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 and it, it got to the point where day after day, of, and, and, I was like, and I would start my prayers with, Lord, I'm sorry it's been a while. Lord, I'm sorry it's been a while. And then one day I cottoned on to the fact that the last 10 journal entries started with, I'm sorry it's been a while. And I looked at the dates and they're all like five days apart, seven days apart. I'm like, what's happening to my prayer life? The reality is it's difficult to be Christ followers if we don't have a devoted prayer life. Life is too overwhelming to pray. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh yeah, Christianity is just a crutch. Oh, I reckon it's a big crutch. Oh, I, I agree with that statement. Christianity is totally a crutch. Because this life is way too overwhelming to go on my own. I was not designed to carry this life on my own. Why are people so anxious and upset and nervous and worried and fearful? Because they're not going hand in hand with God. If I wasn't going hand in hand with God too, my anxiety would overwhelm me. I would be on all kinds of pills. I know I would. But my prayer life keeps me in check with God. And I know that I'm not overwhelmed because God is with me. And if God is for me, who could possibly be against me? And so I want to share with you just six things that you need to know about prayer. We need to understand about prayer. Number one, prayer is not to be confused with thinking. I think way more than I pray. In fact, I actually have to stop and go, stop thinking and pray. <laughs> My mind, it's busy. I've got a very busy brain. Daydreaming and thinking is not the same as prayer. Just because you're strategizing or trying to work out the problem or brainstorming doesn't actually mean you're praying. Prayer is when I intentionally stop what I'm doing, stop thinking, surrender my agendas, surrender my worries, engage my spirit with God, open my mouth and talk to the Lord. That is a very different thing than I was thinking the other day. And, and so we have to differentiate in our minds thinking time. Please do that. Don't stop thinking. But prayer is a very important time that we need to schedule into our lives. Prayer can be spoken. It can be written. I've got a little bit of ADHD. So when I pray out loud, I can quickly get distracted by floating butterflies. So I journal my prayers just in case I do see a butterfly. Oh, what was I praying about? Oh, there it is. There it is. I, was, I know what I was praying. I was wrote it down. So I journal my prayers. Prayer can be alone by yourself or prayer can be in a group. But prayer is a deliberate, intentional, proactive, never passive thing. Number two. Prayer is how my relationship with God becomes a relationship. It's amazing how many of us don't have relationships with God because we never talk to him. 
We just believe he's the big fella in the sky. You talk to some guys, and there's a guy at my, at my local sporting team, and he would say, oh, when you get to church on Sunday, make sure you talk to the big fella for me. And I'm like, or well, you could talk to him yourself. He's listening. Prayer is how I facilitate my relationship with God. God is a God of relationship, and prayer is how I communicate with him. God knows us. He knows every hair that's on my head. He knows every thought that I think. He knows every word that's on my tongue before I'm about to say it. He's kind of like Paula. But God invites us to know him. That's a totally different thing. It's one thing to know that God knows everything there is to know about me. It's another thing that I can know about him. And not just know about him, but I can know him. We were designed to dialogue with God. I want to read you this great passage. It's found in 1 Samuel 3.8. It's about a little boy named Samuel. And Samuel is staying with the priest Eli. And he's just a little boy. So he doesn't know better. He, he just, he's just a little boy. But I want to read it to you. It says, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time. He had already called him two other times before. So he arose and went into Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel went away and laid down in his place and the Lord spoke to him. We actually need to differentiate between the voice of God and the voice of everything else that's going on around us. And I need to not just let somebody else hear God on my behalf, but I need to know how to hear God on my own. I'll never forget when I sat down with my grandfather and I said, Grandpa, disciple me, teach me. And he said, okay. He said, I can either give you gold nuggets or I can take you to the gold mine and teach you how to mine it for yourself. And so my grandfather didn't just teach me all of his fancy teachings and revelations. He taught me how to hear the voice of God. It is critical that in prayer we learn how to... But this is not something that I, you know... It took me a while to differentiate. Now I've been going with God 21 years. And I now know what the voice of God sounds like in greater clarity. But God wants to speak to us. I, I, I liken the voice of God like a radio. The radio is always broadcasting. None of us right now are listening to 96.5. But 96.5 is broadcasting right now and none of us can hear it. It's always being broadcast. But if I were to go out to my car and I were to turn on my car and I were to turn on my radio and I were to dial in my radio, I could probably catch the signal that's being broadcast. Then I need to turn the volume up so that I can make sure that I hear it. The voice of God is always speaking to us. God is always speaking to us. We actually just need to take the time to dial in and tune in to hear what God would be saying. Some people say to me, oh, James, I pray. I pray in the car and I pray in the shower. And, and to be honest with you, I think we pray on the run a bit too much. When, when Eli says to Samuel, go 
quiet yourself, lie down, listen for the voice of the Lord. Uh, he's, getting, he's, getting, he, he's getting Samuel to practice waiting on God and waiting to hear God's voice. God wants to speak to you, but often you're too busy going from A to B that you miss out on what God wants to say. We've got to be careful that if, you're, if your only prayer life is, is in the car, man, I don't know about you, but, but I find it really hard to engage the presence of God and stay alive <laughs> whilst driving. Sometimes the presence of God hits me so much in the car, I have to pull over. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but I'm crying. The presence of God's in the car, and I'm like, man, i got to pull over. This is not safe for any of us. We, we actually need to be purposeful about setting aside special and specific time to engage, quiet ourselves, and hear God's voice. Number three, prayer is how I get the mind of God. Prayer is how I get the mind of God. The Bible tells me that I don't have the mind of God. Scripture actually tells me that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I don't have the mind of God and I need to get the mind of God. I want to read you this powerful passage that I read. I, I thought this was incredible. It's found in 2 Samuel 5, 17. It says, when the Philistines, the Philistines are the bad guys. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. They were ready to bring war against David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold or down to where the battle was. And the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. And so there was about to be a big battle that happens. You've got David and the Israelites against Philistines. And we're about to have a massive battle. What do you think they would do next? You would think that they would charge in. Well, that's not what David did. Check out verse 19. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? He's already prepared for battle. They're there. We're here. We're ready to go. And David goes, we're not going until I have talked to the Lord and heard his mind, his will. And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David went into Balperism, and def David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me, and like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Balperazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. How cool is that? We're ready for the fight. But before we go into the fight, I just need to consult the Lord on this one. We're ready to buy the house. I like the house. The bank said yes. We've got the money. Lord, should I buy this ugly yellow house in Townsville on Payne Street? If you're visiting with us, that's an inside joke. I, I did buy an ugly yellow house on Payne Street, and it was horrible. <clears throat> David was the king. The army of the Israelites was greater than the army of the Philistines. David, as the king, could have done whatever he wants. And yet he doesn't. He stops. 
He gets quiet with God. And he asks God, what should I do? Most of us don't stop long enough to ask God what he thinks. We just run off and make decisions. We act on our own desires. We act on our own presumptions and act on what we think is right. The thing you need to know about prayer is prayer is a declaration of humility. I've said this a heap of times, but, but your prayer life is, is proportionate to your level of humility. If you don't pray, you're basically saying, God, you chill in heaven. I got this. Whoa. Not even David was willing to do that. My prayer life is when I stop and I surrender my ideas, my understanding, my desires. And I say, okay, God, what do you think? We did that when we took on the leadership of this church. We fell in love with the area. We fell in love with North Lakes and Red Cliff and Kalanga. And we just loved the area. And we were like, yeah, let's do this. But then we had to stop and go, not just what do we want, but God, is this the church that you have for us to lead? And I believe that one of the great reasons that we have grown and been successful is that I have stepped into what God wanted from my life. If I was leading a different church, I don't think I would have been nearly as fruitful. It's not the thing that God wanted from me. God had to speak to me about this. Even when we were getting ready to book for our holiday, we had to pray. God, is it a good time for us to go away? We felt God speak to us that this was a good thing. We need to stop and we need to pray and ask God. We don't ask him about changing jobs. We just get mad at the boss and quit. Sometimes there's purpose in the pain. And sometimes God wants to build us. There, were t- there have been so many times in my life where I've wanted to quit and run, but God spoke to me to stick it out. I remember doing Bible college. I wanted to quit and run. But I know that I needed to finish it and stick it out. What about the girl or the boy? I, I remember when I went to Paula the very first time, I said, hey, I think that we should go out on a date. And you know what she said? Have you prayed about it? Fair income. That was her direct response. There was nothing else in between. Will you go out with me and have you prayed about it? She's trying to find out. Do you think I'm cute or do you actually have something in God on this? I was like, I lied. I said, of course I have. She said yes. Then I went back and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I forgot to ask. Can I? And he said yes. And so then I went back and she was none the wiser. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Let me, let me say this. If you're dating, keep asking the question. God, is this your person for my life? Is this your... Right up until the engagement. God, should, I, should we be engaged? God, is, is this your heart? Is this your will? Then once you get married, stop asking the question. Sounds funny. Do you know how many people have said to me, I have a real peace that God's telling me that it's over? I'm like, okay, uh, go back and read your Bible. Devoted to the word was number one. 
I think it's critical that we ask God and get God's mind. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you could doesn't mean it's God's will and God's purpose. Number four, prayer is how I get strategy. Prayer is how I get strategy. God always has a divine strategy to go with his divine instruction. Always. He doesn't just say, yep, yes. Now what? No, there's always a strategy. I want to read to you this passage. We just read that, that David asked God, can I go up against the Philistines? Okay. Let's look here in verse 22. This is just a little bit further down. Then, da- then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. And therefore, David inquired of the Lord... And he said, you shall not go up. Okay, so he got told, no. No, don't go up. But instead, circle around behind them and come up in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be that when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, that you shall advance quickly, for the Lord will go before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him and drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. How cool is that? The first time it was, yep, let's go, smash head on. You will, you will overtake them. The second time it was, nope, stop. We're going to go a different way. We've got a different plan. God always has a divine strategy. When the walls of Jericho came down, there was a divine strategy. When they needed food in the wilderness, there was a divine strategy. God has a divine strategy and he wants to download that strategy to us. Every assignment that we have been given, every green light that we've been given doesn't just get a yes, it comes with instructions. And so when I pray, I got to get God's mind on the matter. Here's number five. Prayer is how I find peace. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Can I say to this, I really do understand anxiety. Because I I know I'm a bit highly strung. And I think I would be a pretty anxious person if it wasn't for the peace of God. So I get anxiety. That's a real thing. But it says here, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which will surpass your understanding, will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. How do I access the peace of God? It's through prayer. In fact, if you're not praying, you're not going to have a very peaceful life. Our peace is continually under attack. Circumstances, relationship things, fearful thoughts, finance, government stuff. There's global stuff. Things are. But Paul is telling us that when we come to God in prayer... That we're able to process our thoughts and we're able to get God's mind and then we're able to get God's peace. It is critical that we access God's peace. But it's connected to my prayer life. Here's the last one. Prayer is how I loose the authority of God. I want to invite the worship team to come. Prayer is how I loose 
the authority of God. In Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two or three of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. When we gather together, when my faith collides with your faith in fellowship, we get the opportunity to lose the authority and the power of heaven. Heaven is fighting for us. But we've got to, by faith, activate that power. Jesus delegates his authority to us through the Holy Spirit. But it lives dormant inside of us until we pray. You have the unlimited power and potential of God inside of you. But it's not until you open your mouth and declare and decree and bind and loose that you actually see it come to fruition in your life. Okay. It's probably one of mine. I don't know about you, but when I see older men driving Porsches, I get frustrated. Because I'm like, man, if I, if I had that car, oh man, I wouldn't be babying it. I'd be crushing it. Oh, I'd be. You, you get in, you, you see old men just kind of driving Miss Daisy in these fancy Porsches. It's like Christians with the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're not using the fullness of the potential of the power and the authority that God's put in us. We need to activate our prayer life. We need to get serious. We need to get hot for God. We were created to be powerful and we exercise our authority and our power through prayer. Can I say this? With prayer, a lot of people believe, okay? Oh, I just need to, go. I just need to find Pastor James and get him to pray for me. By the way, I like praying. I, 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 prayer is, has become a discipline in my life and I do pray for you regularly. But it's important that you learn how to pray for your own self. It's important that you learn that the power of God that's in you is also in me, but it's in you. And you need to, by faith, activate and release that power and that authority. We need to be devoted to prayer. When you have a real encounter with God, devotion and fellowship is the only valid response. For us, if you're, if you're visiting with us here at Church Unlimited, just know most of us here and, and all of our leaders have had a moment where, where God is not, the, he's not some fable in the storybook. He really is who he says he is. He, he's changed our lives. When you have had your life changed by the power of Jesus, oh man, you can't help but sell out and follow. I want to encourage us. We will be a church that is devoted to God's word. We will be a church that is devoted to one another. My love for you, it tells people that I am Jesus's. We're going to be devoted to communion because we will continually just keep bringing Jesus to the forefront of every area of our lives. And we will be a church that is devoted to prayer. On that note, I, I want to stand and I want to pray this morning. 
And, 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 and this is the way I want to do this. And, and I want, I don't, I'm cautious that I don't want to put people on the spot. But I want to have a prayer meeting just for a moment. And, and, and I want you to gather together with two or three around you. Don't make it groups of five, six. It, it, can, be, it can be a bit too much. But just get with two or three. And, and if you feel comfortable, I want to pray through a couple of key things. If you don't feel comfortable, you're not there yet. That's okay. I'm also going to pray and you can just agree with me. But there's a couple of big things that I want to pray for that we would see God move in our midst. Amen. Especially as we head into our season of breakthrough. I want to start by praying over families. Would, can, we, can we just join together and start to pray over marriages? Pray over our children? Pray that our children would know the Lord and follow the Lord. If you've got a prayer buddy, jump, jump together. And if, and if, but don't be by yourself. But let's, let's start to pray. And I'm also going to pray. And if you're not comfortable to pray out loud, that's okay. There's no obligation to pray out loud. I realize that we're all on varying journeys with our own prayer lives. But come on, I want to pray. Father, I thank you right now that you are the God of families. You are the God of marriage. You are the God of children. Lord, right now, we just give you every family in Church Unlimited. Lord, we surrender every marriage to you right now. We thank you right now, God, that you are strengthening every marriage. You are strengthening those relationships, God, that they're going to find new dimensions of love. They're going to find new dimensions, Lord, in their marriage. God, we speak right now a restoration of children back unto their parents. Lord, where children have drifted and strayed away from the things of God, where there's been a rift in the relationship. We speak right now that you are the reconciler. You're bringing together right now, Lord, where there's been division. We pull down that division in Jesus' name and we loose right now the reconciliation of Christ, Lord, bringing people back into right relationship with one another. Lord, we bless our children. We bless our teenagers. We bless our young adults. We thank you, Lord, that as for me and my house, as for Church Unlimited, we will serve the Lord. Our children will serve the Lord. We will know the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just, just a few more seconds. Awesome. I want to move right now to praying for health in Jesus' name. Would you just ask your, ask your partner if they need to pray for something? Is there a health thing? Is there a mental health thing? Is there a physical thing? But I want to pray right now for the healing power of God to be made manifest. Amen. Can we do that? Father, we just speak right now a loosing of your healing, supernatural, miraculous power. We thank you right now. We take authority over every sickness. We take authority over every disease. We take authority over every physical uh, uh, infirmity in Jesus' name. And we loose the healing life, the resurrection lifeblood of Jesus. We loose that in Jesus' name. We thank you right now that you are the deliverer. You're delivering people of mental health issues. You're delivering anxiety. You're delivering depression. You're delivering fear and worry. You're delivering right now in the name of Jesus. We just speak the healing, delivering hand of God to be made manifest in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, I want to pray right now over the provision and the prosperity of God. 
I want to pray for increase. I want to pray for finances in Jesus' name. Let's pray for that. If somebody needs a job, if someone's believing to be debt-free, come on, let's pray for those things right now. Father, we just take authority over every debt. Lord, even debts that we have gotten ourselves into. Lord, we surrender every credit card bill, every afterpay, every dumb decision. God, we thank you that you are the breaker of the yoke. You are the chain breaker. And so we break right now in the name of Jesus, financial burden. We break right now just the poverty mindset. Poverty spirit be gone in Jesus' name. We loose right now the provision of our Father. We loose right now the blessing of God. We thank you right now for opportunities in Jesus' name. Lord, people who have been believing to get into work, we loose right now jobs in Jesus' name. People who are in jobs are going to find their career in Jesus' name. We loose right now promotion in Jesus' name. We thank you right now for the favor of God that goes before us. Lord, we loose finance from heaven, the resource of heaven to buy property. Lord, we prophesy that people are going to start to shift from renting to purchasing. We thank you right now for breakthrough in Jesus' name in the area of money and finance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray over our church. I want to pray that God would just erupt in our church. I want to pray for the presence of God to be made manifest. I want to pray for healing and signs and wonders to be made manifest here. I want to pray for souls. We're believing for people who are not going to just come to to church, but they're going to come to Jesus. Can we pray for the church? Let's pray. I'm believing that our church is going to grow to 500. Can you believe with me for that? Can you believe that we would see 200 people say yes to Jesus in the next 12 months? Can you believe with me for that? Come on, we're going to pray right now. Father, we just thank you that this is your church. Lord, even right now as the senior leader, I surrender. This is not my church. This is your church and I am a steward here. And we just speak, God, that your word would come to fulfillment. That you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. God, we speak right now for enlargement and for increase. Lord, over every new person that has come to our church, we call them in and we say, come and belong in the family of God. We speak right now souls in Jesus' name, that men and women would come to a place in their lives where they would surrender and stop and say, yes, I need Jesus. I need His forgiving, saving grace. We loose right now a revival in the Holy Spirit over our church. We thank you that the church is exploding. Lord, we call forth a a church of 500. We thank you, Lord, for increase in Jesus' name over our young adults. Lord, over Jana Casino and our young adults ministry. Lord, we call in young adults in Jesus' name. We call in every person from every part of our community. And we say, come into the family of God. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's one more thing I want to do. And and we're going to close the service in just a moment. But there's one more thing I want to do. I'm aware that there might be people and you've come to church today. and, And you've said... You know what, I, I, I know about God and I've heard your message, but I, I don't actually know God myself. I haven't ever invited Him into my life. The Bible tells us that, that if we pray, if we use our mouth and say, God, come into my life and forgive me of my sin, that He will. He will. I'll never forget, I was 20 years old, I was carrying such a heavy heart from all kind of foolishness and stupidity. 
And I came to a service like this and I prayed. I said, God, forgive me. I need your forgiving grace. I need you to save me. I need, I need to live my life for you. I did. And it was amazing. It was like a ton of bricks came off my shoulders. I, I, I just started to feel free in my heart. I just wonder, before we conclude this service today, are there people here that say, James, I need to do business with God before I go. I, I pray that you wouldn't have just heard a nice message but now is your opportunity to reach out to God for yourself. Maybe we could just bow our heads just for a moment. Close our eyes. Get quiet. Get quiet in your own heart. If you're here today and, and you would say, James, I know that I need to reach out to God this morning. I need to do business. I need to invite him into my life. I need to receive his forgiving grace. If that's you, I want to pray with you right here and right now. I'm not going to bring you out of your chair. I don't want to embarrass you. But I want to pray with you. This is a defining moment for you. And so if that's you would, you, would you just give me a little wave just so I know who needs to pray? Who needs to, who needs to do business with Jesus this morning? Don't miss this moment. Don't leave the same way you came in. Is there anybody that says, James, I, I need to be bold. I need to stand. I need to invite God into my life. Okay. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the forgiver of our sin. Lord, we're not in some help, self-help club, but, but Jesus, we do understand that you died on the cross for our sin. Lord, that you are the forgiver. You are the redeemer. Lord, we're born again as new creations. God, I thank you that as we go this week, we go in your grace, we go in your mercy, we go in your favor. Lord, I speak your blessing over every person in our great church. We thank you, Lord, that we are expecting good things this week. As you go before us, opening doors of opportunity, preparing the way. Lord, we bless everyone here this morning. And we are excited and expectant for the great things that you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.